Todd, Reverend Dr. Todd Holsinger, um, is um, currently the uh, Vice President at Fuller Seminary um, over um, vocation and why um, can't formation? And, um, and so, but, but, but Todd was a pastor for 10 years at Hollywood Presbyterian uh, out in Hollywood, California, and then for 17 years at San Clemente Presbyterian Church. Um, and, um, and so, you know, uh, Todd's been pastoring for a long time. And uh, so he kind of understands the church, but he also has a great mind. He's also very thoughtful, and uh, he's kind of the one in charge of, um, of the doctorate ministry program I am doing. And um, I've been very impressed. <clears throat> you know, we all have, um, we're all kind of voyeurs in our own way. So I have been a voyeur of Todd for quite a while now, and I've kind of watched what he's been doing and seen the things that he's written and always been very impressed um, by those things, and so um, I consider it a great privilege to be able to have Todd uh, here with us this weekend, and certainly um, throughout this weekend, whenever you get a chance to go up and introduce yourself to Todd and um, to tell him um, um, that he should probably grade me a little bit more easily since we've had him out here, things like that, whatever it is, um, certainly do that to Todd. And um, so, why don't we um, give uh, Todd a, a ZPC welcome, and then Todd wants to come on up. where he and I would actually some, spend some time talking about his experience of transitioning to being a senior pastor. And he would talk about you with just such incredible warmth, and now I get it. I, um, I, I, like, I've only been here like 24 hours. It's only my second time ever in Indiana. And the first time I came, I came in the middle of a tornado. So this is way better. So, so far, like, you guys are praying for the weather. I think it, it can't be, as long as it's not a tornado, you're already in the ball out of the park. It's going to be awesome. Um, so my job is to open up the scriptures, and, and really what I want to do with you in this time is to open up the scriptures. I want you to have a sense of how the scriptures work and function, and the way in which the scriptures work and function in our lives, and the way in which we will work and function differently if we are people of the scriptures. So, um, so that's my job, and so I want to dive in. So if you've, you've got your little booklets there, one of the passages is there for you. So I'm going to start with that one, Genesis chapter 12. We're going to come back to that a couple of times this weekend. And then I'm going to read you one other passage that's not printed for you in a different translation for you to hear. So first of all, from Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. Um, this is the call of Abram. This is the beginning of the story of the people of God. Up until Genesis chapter 12, you have the universal story of all of creation and of all of humanity. And Genesis chapter 12 is the beginning of our story. So let me start here. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go. Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house, the land that I will show you. I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and the one who curses you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. 
Now listen to one other passage. You might be familiar with this one. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. This is the New Living Translation. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. Let's pray together. Oh God, we pray that you will use your word to be of use to us so that we might become useful to you. We pray that you will allow your scriptures to read into us and allow us to participate in what you are doing in the great story of the goodness of the creator God redeeming the world whom you love. And it's in the name of Jesus who did it so perfectly, we pray. Amen. So let me start with an idea, just as a story. Imagine yourself this way. It's a Sunday afternoon and you're in one of those grand parks. Like a really big park in the middle of a really big city. Where there's not just people having picnics and throwing frisbees and enjoying time together. Maybe a birthday party here or there. But there's a giant amphitheater. And at the giant amphitheater, there's a, there is a drama troupe. A really professional one. Just like you saw here a minute ago. Uh, and, uh, and there's a drama troupe and they're carrying on with a play. And you obviously have shown up late. But you find yourself noticing the crowd that is gathered in rapt attention and they're watching the play and you find yourself just stopping. You, don't, you plan just to walk through the park, but all of a sudden you find yourself caught up in this play. People are laughing, they're crying, they're deeply involved. All the audience is completely transfixed by it. And before you know, you are transfixed by it and you're just standing there. You go to sit down because you, whatever the story is, you know you are caught up in it. And finally, all of a sudden, you hear this tap, feel this tap on the shoulder, and someone looks at you and goes, how do you like the play? And you go, I like it. It's, it's wonderful. And it's, it's so incredible that you guys are putting this on. It's, uh, it's amazing. I love that our town does stuff like this. This is great. And he goes, well, thank you. Would you, would you like to help us? And all of a sudden, you have this surge of civic pride. You think, yes, there should be plays in the middle of doubt, in the middle of our parks, and we should do stuff, and it's going to take citizens like us to do stuff. So well, maybe they need me. Maybe it's the help in the concession stand or to set up a few extra chairs or do something. Sure, I have a few minutes. I'll be glad to help. And he goes, come with me. And he immediately starts walking and walks all the way behind to the back of the stage. And you're standing there thinking, okay, maybe they need something to be cleaned up. And he goes, okay, here it is. Here's the script. Do some reading. You're on in just a moment. And you think, whoa, 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 wait, wait a second, wait a second. I was just watching the play. I'm not sure. That, I mean, I don't even know what this is. He says, here's the part about this play. Um, the script runs out in just a minute. So in a moment, everybody's going to be doing improv. So here's what we need you to do. Walk out there and make it up. Ready? Something within you wants to immediately say, no, this isn't what I signed up for. I was just walking along. I was just watching the play. But something within you begins to feel stirred, and you wonder if you were here for exactly that moment. So you quickly look over the script. You gather together a few moments. You get the gist of the whole thing. You listen hard to the people. And when you feel him nudge you on the shoulder, you step out, hit your mark, and you're on Walt Whitman tried to describe what the human life was all about. He said, this is the purpose of the human life. 
powerful play goes on, and you may contribute a verse. The powerful play goes on, and you may contribute a verse. If you ever saw the movie The Dead Poet Society, Robin Williams uses it to explain to a group of teenage boys that there's more to life than just making money or getting or accumulating accolades. That there's a purpose in life that is bigger than they could possibly imagine. And so he gathers them together and he quotes from Whitman. Whitman, who didn't possibly understand what he was saying when he gathered up this incredible truth of the universe that is far beyond his own faith or understanding, when he says, the purpose of life is the powerful play goes on and you may contribute a verse. And if you remember, Robin Williams looks at those boys and says, so what will your verse be? Dear friends, this is exactly what I believe the gospel does. The gospel presents to us this incredible story, this divine story, this incredible story that is the God, the creator, healing the creation, and when we say yes in faith, we are called not only to join the story, but to take our place upon the stage. And that our duty as Christians, our responsibility and our work, is to understand that what we are called to do is participate in God's divine story that is the truest story of all time, that is healing all of creation. Let this be the introduction for what I want to say for the rest of the weekend with you. But the Bible is best understood as a five-act play where the last act is unfinished. Our job is to take it from uh, the end of the book of Acts until when Jesus returns again. It's to move the story forward. And so to understand it, we have to understand the big story and we find ourselves caught up in the middle of it and that we are part of this incredible troop of actors that are the people called the church, who are called to go into the world and live out this grand story. It's a Bible script. It's got five acts. Act one, creation. God, the loving and great creator, makes everything in love. And you heard it over and over and over again. It is good. It is good. It is good. It is good. God, the great creator who is walking through the garden in the cool of the day, who, who created all of creation as an expression of his love, has made it and created it because he is love. Act two. But humans decided it wasn't good enough to be a creature. They themselves wanted to be a creator. And so the serpent comes and speaks a lie and they bite into it and all hell breaks loose. Humanity rejects the creator and all of creation falls under the power of sin and death. It is good, but it is broken. Act three, Israel. God looks throughout the entire part of the universe and finds a man named Abram. There's nothing about Abram that, makes, that seems that he is better than anybody else. There's nothing about him that, nothing about his lineage. There's nothing about him that is remarkable whatsoever. He's minding his own business. He's just a guy with a bunch of animals, and he hears a whisper in the, boy, in the back of his mind. He hears the voice of God, and he says yes to that voice of God. And God the Creator begins to call out a people who will fulfill his response, who will take part in his plan to redeem creation. God the Creator seeks to rescue his creation by calling out a people to be his representatives. They fulfill his will and they call all people to return to their Creator. But they too are broken. 
they too cannot fulfill the plan of the Creator. So act four, Jesus. God himself does what his people cannot. God himself steps onto the stage. God himself takes on the responsibility of what he's doing. God himself, the one who created the story, becomes the, act, the main actor of the story. And one great, incredible act of history and love redeems his creation. Act five. The church. By the power of the Holy Spirit, the followers of Jesus become the new people of God. They carry forth God's will into all the world until God himself, the author, walks back on the stage again and will finish the play. That's the, there's the story. It begins in creation and it ends in celebration. It begins in a garden and it ends in, in an incredible city. It begins with the, most, with the most simple word of God. It ends in a celebration of praise. And you and I are caught up in it. And our lives are to be an improvisation that moves that story forward. Now, if you're going to improvise well, if you're going to participate in that story, the one thing you have to know is you have to know the script. You have to know it deeply and well. You have to know what it is, and you have to know that the script itself is unfinished. That while the Bible is the divine word of God, and we would never add anything else to it in terms of scripture, we are to enact it in every way possible so that it becomes real in the world around us. So what does it mean for us to be people who improvise well? When I wanted to teach this to my own congregation, I decided what I would do is I would go ask somebody who knows. I went to an actor, an actor who was a drama teacher who led an improv troupe. And he basically said there's two rules of improvisation that become two rules for great discipleship. And here they basically it is. If you're going to do great improv, if you want to move the story forward, if you want to make sure that it makes sense in that way that, that is incredibly amazing, where people can actually begin to act without a script and they can take the story forward, then here's what you have to know. You have to know that the group of people begins where whoever starts the story, everybody listens to them. Whoever starts the story, everyone else listens to them, and the very first response of every actor who wants to be faithful to the story and move the story forward is always, yes, and. Yes, and. If you want to be faithful in improv, if you want to make the story go forward, you have to agree with the story. So if someone starts the story and says, here we are in an incredible summer day in southern Indiana, and immediately the next person says, no, it's not, it's Alaska, the story's dead. If you ever say no, the story's over. If you ever say no to what came before you, it's done. It ends with you. Uh, one of my friends one time was applying for a job in a church. He was involved in business, and he was making a lot of money. And he felt this nudge of God to be into to go into full-time ministry. And he was one of these people who really wrestled hard with this. He didn't think that he had to be in ministry. He was, he was very faithful to God in all that he did. And when we were helping him to discern, we asked him this question. We said, what is it about you? What do you want more than anything else in your life? This, it doesn't have to be full-time ministry. It can stay in business. We believe the call of God is just as clear in business as it is in ministry. But what is it that's most important to you? And he put it this way. He said, the most important thing in my life is I spend my whole life always saying yes to God. Because if you look at the Bible, you'll realize that every single person who Jesus addressed, if they said yes to them, then we know who they are. We know their names. We might only know their name. We might know they're Bartholomew or 
We might know them as Zacchaeus. We might know them as the centurion. We might know them by their title, but they're there. And their story gets written into the grand story. And if they say no, they fall off the page. And we never hear from them. What does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? It means to live your life in such a way that you say yes to him. And by saying yes to Jesus, you are agreeing in faith. You are saying, I believe. When Jesus comes announcing that the kingdom of God has come near, that in Jesus he is restoring the world, that he is making it right, that Jesus has come to make the creator's world right again. When you say you believe that, you say you will trust that, and you will add your life to that story. That it's not just enough to to intellectually assent that you must actually join into the story. That when you feel the nudge on the shoulder or the movement of the spirit, you say yes and you add to the story. It means we agree and we act. We believe it and live it. Or as Dallas Willard puts it, to believe something is to act as if it is true. Yes. And let's be clear, we don't get to add to the story things that aren't, don't belong to it. We don't get to make up and decide that we are like God and we get to be the author. We don't get to take the pages of the scriptures and rewrite them in the way that we want. We don't get to change the things that God says as his script and his story. But we get to add our expression of it to the world. We get to add our faithfulness. And so whenever you're all stuck in an improvisational situation, you ask the question, what does it mean for me to agree and act, to yes and? And here's the second bit of advice that came from my actor friend. When in doubt, do something. What actors learn all the time is you don't just stand there waiting for your line, you'll do something. If you're not quite sure what to do, do something. If you're having a conversation and you're not quite sure, then you clean your glasses. If you're talking about having a, being in the middle of a snow, then start a snowball fight. Whatever the environment needs, whatever it requires, whatever you need to do, do something. You see, the scriptures are, now here's a little bit of seminary stuff for you. Um, the scriptures are a performative document. That's a technical term for this. It means that it's the kind of document that is not finished until it is performed, right? So, um, a musical score. One of my friends has an ancient manuscript of Handel's Messiah, uh, an early manuscript, one page of Handel's Messiah. It's incredible. It's been calligraphied. It was beautiful. It's framed. It's put on his wall. There's, a, there's lighting on it. It's in a pristine place. You walk into the house and you go, oh my gosh, that's Handel's Messiah. But no music comes out of that because a musical score is meant to be brought to life. It's put in front of you so you can play it. It's not, just, it's not something that is written to be written. It's something written to be done. My wife is a fabulous cook. Incredible cook. And she, has, she subscribes to at least three cooking magazines. And every single month when Bon Appetit comes, she tears that sucker open and she shows me the pictures and she starts reading the recipes and soon I want to lick the magazine. (laughs) But imagine if all she ever did was read it. 
What makes it great is that she makes the meals, right? A cookbook is meant to be something that is performed, a musical score performed. My father's an architect. I grew up with him rolling out plans and going, look what I can do with this old beat up house. Look what I'm gonna do, how we're gonna transform it. He'd peel out one plan after one plan after another. But if you look at this incredible set of plans, it's not gonna keep you warm and dry. It has to be built. A musical score, a cookbook, a set of plans, a constitution. You know, a constitution is not just to be carried around in your back of your pocket and waved in front of a crowd and told about how great it is to be American. A constitution is to be enacted and poured into a more perfect union to a government that people live by. And so just in the exact same way that the scriptures are about. The scriptures are a performative document. They are not finished until the people of God, empowered by the Holy Spirit, live them. The scriptures are a script. So when in doubt, do something. If you're unclear of what you're, what you're supposed to do when you step on stage, when you take that moment, when it seems as if you've been put in something, an opportunity has been put in front of you, when you wonder about a temptation, when some, a decision comes your way, then when in doubt, do something. What would Jesus do was a famous question asked one time in history. What does the people of God do if, they're, if you believe this to be true, if you believe that the God of the universe is healing the world through the sacrificial love of Jesus, then what will you do? If we become a people who more and more believe and do the will of God, then we become people who will move the story forward. So with every decision that you do, with everything, with every part that you make, but ever all the words that you say, if in doubt, live the story. Forgive someone. Welcome the outcast. Feed the hungry. Give water to the thirsty. Embrace a child. Give your money away. If you do something that contradicts the action going on, like talking about the beach in the middle of a snowstorm, it stops the story. Don't make Christianity about your little life. Make your little life part of a big story. Don't make Christianity about being a vegetarian or Republican or American. Stay in the story. The story of the Creator God who made the world good that became broken, who chose a people who, if they heard his voice and said yes to him, would become part of his own story, who trusted in himself when he entered into the stage and said yes to the one who is the embodiment of God and took on God's own spirit within him. So filled with the power of the spirit of God, we live the story. Here's the rub. The way we usually tell the story, it tells us we're supposed to be an audience. You see, the real story is the guy telling it. And we're supposed to sit and cheer and clap and maybe support. 
maybe set up a couple of other chairs for other people. We're supposed to stay in the audience. It's not the scriptures. It's the Holy Spirit that comes and taps us on the shoulder. It's the Holy Spirit that nudges us onto the stage. It's the Holy Spirit that asks you the question, do you believe it? And what will you add? The powerful play goes on. You may contribute a verse. Dear friends, we were created to make a contribution, to participate in God's own story. It's his story, not ours. He's the author, we're the players. He's the creator, we're the creature. But he is not saving the world without us. The powerful play goes on. And you may contribute a verse. Let me ask you to consider this weekend, what will your verse be? Is what you're doing moving God's story forward? Is your life a participation in God's grand story? Or is it your own little telling of the story of you? Yes, and. And don't just sit there. When in doubt, do something. What will your verse be? Let me pray for us. So God, as we begin this evening, mindful that you have called us here. Some of us may not even realize that just by saying yes to the invitation to be here this weekend, to say yes to membership in Zionsville Presbyterian Church, to say yes to the prompting of the Holy Spirit to believe that we have been thrust on the stage. We thought we signed up to be supporters, patrons, audience, season ticket holders. You have called us to be actors who demonstrate to a watching world the good news that the God who created this world is redeeming this world. And that the God who is love is revealing his love. And that the God who does so does so remarkably through us. Your powerful play goes on, God. Give us grace, we pray, to continue to contribute to verse. It's in the name of Jesus.